Welcome to the Faith First Advisor Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Shrum, and today we have a great guest just for you. I'm joined by none other than Robert Netsley, the founder and CEO of Inspire Investing. Inspire is the largest biblically responsible investment ETF provider in the world. And on today's podcast, Robert and I discuss what exactly biblically responsible investing is and how you as a Christian can glorify God with your money. Remember, if you would like to work with a Christian financial advisor and planner, visit shrumpw.com or email eric at shrumpw.com. Now, let's roll the intro. Welcome to the Faith First Advisor podcast, where host and financial advisor Eric Schrum helps Christians align their faith with their finances. To explore more about everything it means to be a steward with the God has given you, visit thefaithfirstadvisor.com. If you would like to explore working with Eric to align your money and investments with your faith, visit shrumpw.com slash faith. That's S-C-H-R-U-M-P-W dot com slash faith. Welcome, Robert, to the Faith First Advisor podcast. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. And, you know, our mission with this podcast is really to equip believers so they can make the right decisions when it comes to their money and therefore achieve what, whatever it is God has called them to do. And today we're going to be talking about biblically responsible investing and all that that entails, but more specifically, you know, your role in pushing this movement forward. So I wanted to start off and if you could share just a little bit about where you grew up and how you came to faith, that that was something that uh, you grew up with or came along later in life. Absolutely. Um, boy, long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Uh, I, I grew up in the church, uh, but came from a, you know, not ideal home life. My mom and dad divorced when I was three uh, dad stopped using or mom stopped using drugs. Dad didn't, that didn't work out. Um, you know, fast forward through, uh, being raised by a single mom, you know, trying to make ends meet, you know, yeah. that whole, uh, that whole process it wasn't really until my college years that I, that the Lord really got a hold of my heart as far as being like public with my faith and really mm-hmm. seeking him. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, I never got into any quote unquote trouble, uh, during my life, but that's all right. by the grace of God. And, uh, we just look back, my wife and I, uh, over our childhoods and, and, and to see the hand of God, um, preserving us and protecting us, you know, through all the kind of circumstances we found ourselves in as kids and we're mm-hmm. totally oblivious. Um, sometimes I think I'm like walking across an eight lane highway with my eyes closed and somehow made it to the other side. And it's all <laughs> by the grace of God. I didn't even yeah. know what was going on. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's long and that's, it's, it's a long story made short. So that's cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I love hearing people's kind of background around how they came to faith to start, but you know, we were talking just briefly here beforehand and I, I've heard your story and, you know, when we introduce biblically responsible investing and start talking about what exactly that is, you know, I was, I was telling you a story is the best way to uh, kind of learn about what this is all about. And I think the story of how Inspire Investing came to be is really special. And I think it's also a great way to learn exactly what biblically responsible investing is. So 
from my understanding, the best of my understanding, you did not start off wanting to start what are you guys the largest BRI ETF provider in the world? Is that where you guys stand right now? Yeah, we're the world's largest faith-based ETF provider. Uh, that is true. Cool. Uh, praise God. Um, and managing about one and a half billion dollars in assets. Awesome. Um, the yeah, this was not part of my long-term plans <laughs> or short-term <laughs> plans. Uh, math and public speaking were my two worst subjects in school. Um, oh, I'm glad you're on the podcast then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I got D's in math and I peed my pants in front of people when I talked. So, <laughs> you know, God has different plans for our lives, right? And uh, it was a roundabout way for me to get into the investing industry in the first place, you know, and then I uh, really just kind of took to it. Uh, and was happy as a clam working at Wells Fargo Private Client Service, where I was mm-hmm. previously down in Carmel, California. Um, yeah. Life was good. Nice little drive down the coast every day, second story office, looking over the beach. Like I wasn't changing anything in that scenario, right? Yeah, not shabby. No. And uh, then by accident, I just stumbled across this concept of biblically responsible investing online one day. I was looking for a mm-hmm. Bible study to teach at my church and found some random article. Thank you, Google. And <laughs> It talked about this concept of when you're looking at not just the financial aspect of a portfolio, but the moral aspect of a portfolio, right? What are the yeah. companies doing uh, to turn a profit that you're investing in? And I'd never even considered that before. Never even crossed my mind to think about it. So I was yeah. curious and started looking into my own portfolios, uh, my, my clients' portfolios. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the Holy Spirit just gripped my heart because here I was president of our local pro-life pregnancy center at the time. And I own three stocks and companies manufacturing abortion drugs. Yeah. And it's hit me upside the head that every time that young lady goes across the street to Planned Parenthood and has an abortion, like I just made money on that transaction. I literally mm-hmm. profited from that transaction yeah. and I'm recommending all my clients to do the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not giving it a second thought. Um, so really, that was the start of kind of discovering BRI. Um, mm-hmm. And then it went from there. What was the state of biblically responsible investing? Or if, if you hear us say BRI for short, that's what that is. What was the state at that time? Um, of, of the industry as a whole? I had no clue because I didn't even know if it was possible to invest this way, right? <laughs> Looking back, I can tell you there yeah. was um, there have been some uh, kind of actively managed mutual funds uh, around yeah. for quite a while uh, yeah. with differing levels of screening, um, some more diligent than others, you know, but higher than average expenses, hit or miss track records as far as performance goes. Mm-hmm. And where I was at Wells Fargo, like basically nothing was available uh, on the right. platform. right. And so I'm just here convicted. I just can't, within two weeks, I can't do my job anymore with a clean conscience. I'm like mm. dead in the water. Don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. Never heard of anybody investing like biblically before, not yeah. knowing if it was possible or not. And, and so my personal story was, I just had to get out of the business. I thought I went home, told my wife, Hey honey, here's what I found. You know, I think God's calling us somewhere else. She said, we got two babies in the mortgage. So what's the plan? <laughs> and uh, I was like, good question. So we just started praying, uh, seeking God's will was this close to going to seminary and being some sort of vocational pastor? Um, the only other option I could think of was, you know, starting an independent firm that did only biblical type investing. Yeah. But that was crazy. Couldn't have any, you know, money or experience or whatever that you need. Sure. But man, as we prayed, God made it unmistakably obvious, clear. This mm-hmm. is what exactly he was calling me to do. So yeah. two months later, I made the incredibly frightening decision uh, to leave the bank, walked away from my income, <clears throat> left my clients with the team I'd been with previously. And just started off from scratch, just me and a laptop, less than two months of savings in the bank, fully prepared, never to pay my mortgage ever again in my life. Honestly, I had no <laughs> idea what was going to happen. I yeah. just knew God was calling me to this, right? And it's yeah. one of those things. I just started educating people about what I found. Like, here's what I found. Here's what I'm doing. Yeah. And they had the same reaction, right? Their eyes got big and they're like, wow, I've never heard 
that before. I never thought about mm. what was in my portfolio from, mm. you know, uh, that perspective. How do I find out what I'm invested in? What does it look like to invest differently? Yeah. And it started growing, right? Um, so fast, I had to bring other advisors into the practice, which was never part of my plan. Right? I Amazing. was not going to grow any sort of enterprise. Yeah. One advisor led the two, led the 10 to 20 to, you know, mentoring hundreds of advisors, Christian advisors around the country within years. Incredible. Um, and it was just nuts. I just saw God show up in a big way. And mm-hmm. what I what was obvious to me right away was this is important to God. Like he wants his people managing his money for his glory, according to his values for their joy. Yeah. And yeah. we're not doing it right. And it's just not mm-hmm. a, it's not a guilt trip. It's just, we've been oblivious. And yeah. um, so we're just, we're passionate about educating people about what they own so they can make informed decisions, you know, for the glory of God. Um, and yeah, along that road, I mean, your question about what was the landscape, there just wasn't a lot of selection. You did right. what you could do, um, but it's come a long way since. Yeah, it really has. Um, I, and I want to ask you, just dig a little bit deeper on that time when you were breaking away and you've got a family mortgage wife. It's a big step of faith, right? And I think a, a lot of times it's easy to just walk our, our kind of regular Christian lives. And then um, when it's time for that big step of faith, it's it's a real test. What was that like for you? What emotions were you going through? Or um, was it easy for you to jump into to breaking away and doing what you believe to be true? And, and the proof is in the pudding on that. Yeah, um, it was terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's not, um, it, don't get the wrong impression. This is not like some, you know, bold, courageous, you were going to, you know, yeah, this was yeah. Lord, fear and trembling. I can't uh, not do this. Like this is an unmistakable compulsion that you Mm -hmm. confirmed in a number of ways. I really can't see how this is going to work, but you're calling me to it. And I just been reading um, crazy love by Francis Chan. Yeah. Phenomenal book. Yeah. He's Uh, awesome. Yeah. Totally recommend that book. Uh, A big piece of that that stuck with me is what it really means to live by faith. And, uh, you look at, you know, Gideon and Abraham, like if God didn't show up like miraculously in those situations, Gideon was toast, you know, Abraham's losing his son, you know, all those things here in America, we think we've got the, you know, we think we're living by faith, but really if God doesn't actually show up and do something, we have a safety net, like, you know, something, some kind of plan B. Um, this was probably one of the first times, if not the first time, really, there was no plan B. Like it was either this, like God shows up and blesses this or, uh, I go broke in six months and get foreclosed on. And we move in with my parents. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that was where I was at. And I was, right. uh, God just brought me to the point where, like, I was okay with letting God have, you know, whatever, whatever was in store. I was uh, down with me and my wife. And um, praise God that he did come through uh, and provided financially. We didn't skip a beat. Um, you know, it's not like we were, uh, living high on the hog or anything, but you know, we, we paid the bills and we fed yeah. our kids and we, uh, saw the Lord provide and I've seen him That was 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen him do so ever since then with this growing company and the families and professionals that have come alongside. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's truly awe-inspiring to see God's hand at work. Um, yeah. when you follow by faith. That's really cool to hear Robert. And I think there's a lot to be said about, 
stepping out and putting yourself in a place where you have to trust and have faith and, you know, not rely on, on ourselves. That's, that's fantastic to hear. So you've got these advisors, you're managing, um, things are growing. And how does that transition into inspire ETFs as we, as we know it today? Well, you know, we certainly added some advisors into our own team handling the growing business. Uh, but along that road too, we just, all these financial advisors kept finding us somehow. I kept getting these calls. I barely had a website, you know, and a business card. I don't know how that, I, to this day, I don't know how they found out. <laughs> they called me saying, hey, the Lord's working on my heart in the same way. I heard you guys are doing this biblical thing over there. Like, I want to know how to do that. I want to do yep. the same thing you're doing. Called, And so we just found ourselves um, mentoring all these folks. And we kept getting consistent uh, question. Hey, the, God's pricked my heart on this issue. I want to go on for his glory in my practice, um, but I'm a low-cost index-based advisor. I built yes. my firm for the past you know, decades yeah. on low-cost index-based investing. And where do I find a low-cost index-based, biblically responsible solution yeah. I can use with my clients? And the, the answer was nowhere. There just was nothing available. Yeah. Um, so unless you were you know, could build your own stock models and which most people are not able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the, you had to use what was available, which were actively managed kind of expensive hit or miss uh, mutual funds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, that, that tide kept growing. Um, so we were trying to work with other like actual asset management companies, which we were not at the time. Right. Uh, you know, secular and faith-based asset management companies showing them the demand. They were very interested because the demand was mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. But then we got into the nitty gritty of how the screening would need to work and everything else. And for one reason or the other, it was just obvious nobody was going to do anything. Yeah. Um, at least not in the time frame where you know we needed it to happen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. five years ago, 2015, we uh, kind of sat around the boardroom with blank looks on our faces, and I guess that means us. Like we need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So that's when we started Inspire as a separate RIA company, and that right. brand uh, became came into existence. Uh, we started managing money just in our own firm, uh, developing our process that we call our Inspire Impact Score methodology. Mm-hmm. It's a rules-based methodology, objectionable, uh, objectable, I'm sorry, objective approach <laughs> to uh, finding the most biblically aligned positive companies in the world, right? Excluding bad actors that are right. manufacturing abortion drugs, selling pornography, you know, et cetera, et cetera finding the ones that are curing cancer and being a blessing to the world and, mm-hmm. and, and all of that. The results were phenomenal, right? We were building low cost indexes out of them. We had no idea how the performance was going to look um, yeah. honestly, but the results were amazing. And so other advisors wanted access. Uh, so we started doing third-party management uh, that grew uh, into in 2017. We launched our first ETFs on the New York stock exchange Um on wing and a prayer, really, you know, eating top ramen and not taking a salary for months. And just, you know, we were just convicted. This has to happen. And yeah. we'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. It's a huge undertaking. But yeah. again, like the Lord came through and mm-hmm. um, that's how that came to be. Yeah. And, and that was BIBL. Is that right? The large cap ETF you guys launched? Yeah, we launched that in the same year. Actually, our first two funds were uh, Bless and ISMD. So our global okay. fund and our small mid-cap fund, uh, February right. 2017. And then Bible uh, came in later, as well as uh, IBD later that year, our yeah. bond fund. Um, but, you know, the day after we launched, uh, started trading on the New York Stock Exchange, we were on the front page of the New York Times. Amazing. Like in the business section, above the fold, like in Starbucks, 
we don't have a PR team. I don't even know how they heard about us, <laughs> you know, and then the wall street journal is calling and Fox news is calling and this, and, and there's all these articles, wow. hundreds of articles wow. being written about us, these crazy Christian people who actually believe what the Bible says, you know, I mm-hmm. think we should manage money this way. And mm-hmm. the media is kind of incredulous, but it's working, you know, and God, again, just blesses it. We're, we grow incredibly fast, farther and faster than, than we thought or anybody else mm-hmm. thought for sure. Yeah. Um, and here we are, we're the, the third fastest growing uh, investment advisory firm in the nation as of last year's rankings. Uh, just made the Inc. 5000 list uh, last summer, the world's fa- the nation's fastest growing private companies. You know, and this was never, again, it's all glory to God. It's not my plan. Yeah. Uh, we just got caught up in a moon of God that's really sweeping the nation as Christians realize what they're invested in and are open. their eyes are open to this opportunity to invest for the glory of God in a really impactful way. Yeah. And it's, it's the timing is impeccable with the rise of biblically responsible investing and uh, especially moving into a world where Christianity is seen as almost a negative in many places. And uh, I think people are starting to really understand that what they believe in matters and wanting to make sure that they're, they're holding true to that. Uh, that's really cool hearing about launching on the New York Stock Exchange and then all of a sudden this press coming in. Um, let's talk about those funds a little bit because I wanna I wanna talk about how you guys build your your funds. And I I mean I encountered this issue as an advisor wanting to research BRI and I read the studies. I know the research. I believe that the passive index model is what is proven to be the most successful over time, especially when it comes to managing people's retirement funds and, and long-term goal money. Right. And, you know, the majority of the funds out there, not to knock on them, there's some great providers, but for people who do, you know, take a more passive approach, you know, the only other options out there are very high cost actively managed funds. So how do you guys actually screen companies? What does that look like for you when you are building and, and choosing companies for your ETFs? Yeah, it's uh, it all boils down to what we call the Inspire Impact Score methodology. And there's basically two parts to that equation. We have exclusionary screens, so the things we look for to exclude from the portfolio, right. uh, which would include um, things like abortion drug manufacturing, pornography sales, human rights issues, you know, a whole slew of uh, categories that you can research mm-hmm. on our website. Um, yeah. And so if there's any company that has any exposure, whether it's... Uh, products or services they sell, or if they're donating money to Planned Parenthood on a corporate discretionary basis or supporting legislation for unbiblical, you know, legislative uh, issues, what Mm -hmm. have you, uh, if you have any exposure to those, they always have a, get a negative impact score. Uh, And it goes from zero to negative a hundred. The more issues they have, the more negative it is, and they never make it in our portfolios. Mm. Um, those companies that pass the, the exclusionary criterion move on to kind of round two. And uh, that's where we ascribe positive points because we don't mm. want to just stop by, you know, exclude companies and then stop there and then just invest yeah. in whatever's left over. It's not really an investment methodology, right? It's more important to say, well, what are we investing in? Right. Which kind of companies do you want to buy? And, uh, so then we look at companies and we look at, uh, it gets pretty technical, but there's a sustainability accounting standards board, SASB, and they have these, it's a global board of um, kind of these principles of 26 different categories that they call materiality categories mm-hmm. uh, and environmental, social, and corporate governance issues. 
uh, like how are they stewarding the environment? How are they uh, compensating their workers relative to their their um, executives? Are they uh, involved in bribery or supply chain issues? You know, right. using slave labor, those kind of things. Um, and we rank companies uh, based on their industry peer groups. So if you have a company that is in a certain you know technology industry, let's say, and they're better than their industry peers in a certain category, they get points. The right. higher they are, the more points they get and uh, up to a hundred. So you end up with uh, a range of scores from positive hundred to negative a hundred, anything above zero makes it into our portfolios, but we really only look for those companies that are closest to a hundred. So you mentioned okay. Bible or BIBL ETF. Yep. Those are the 100 highest scoring companies uh, on an impact score basis in the S&P mm-hmm. 500 type universe, U.S. large right. cap space. And we just market cap weight though. So that's that's right. a little bit of how we um, identify securities and uh, build some portfolios. Yeah, fantastic. And and so this is effectively, you know, no co- no company's perfect, and right. um, you know, there's going to be sin in everything we do, right? But you're effectively screening out a lot of companies who are actively engaging in, you know, activities that are against, you know, biblical values, so that your investors in those funds can have a clean conscience that they're not owning a company that's making money that way. And then in turn, they're not making money that way. But also you guys are, are seeking out companies that are having a positive impact and including that in an, an investment wise way into those portfolios, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there's tons of research coming out from all over the place, you know, Oxford and McKinsey and all these big places. Uh, that when you invest in companies with positive metrics on those mm-hmm. those ESG sustainability characteristics, uh, including when you look at them from a biblical worldview like we do, right. uh, performance tends to at least have a tailwind, right? It's never a guarantee of, you know, doing better. Yeah. Um, but study after study after study shows that, hey, go figure, companies that operate with higher degrees of ethics and integrity tend to outperform those that are just trying to make a buck any way they can. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's benefited our shareholders, certainly. And we see the results, you know, proofs in the pudding kind of a thing um, right. with our investments. Yeah, it's an incredible uh, results on that when you look at, at the performance data. Now, not that there's huge outperformance or that that will continue in the future. Hopefully it does. Right. But um, right. we'll talk a little bit about that here in a second. But I've heard some stories. You've shared this in, in other uh, forums that I've been in with you, uh, you have a pretty cool way of engaging with companies and uh, their investor relations uh, when maybe you see Fortune 500 companies that you're invested in doing things that are maybe against biblical values. Can you share maybe one or two stories of success when you've actually engaged those companies that you've been invested in? Sure. Yeah, this is one of the most kind of rewarding parts of our business and really something that we didn't expect um, going into it, but we're more than thankful. You know, we've been able, as shareholders, you have the right to talk to a company about your opinions, right? And uh, they have an investor relations department whose job is to talk to investors like us and whether you're big or small or whatever. And uh, so throughout the years, like some some great stories are we work with some friends in, um, you know, in our industry, we were engaged with uh, Chevron, you know, big oil company, uh, for instance, a few years ago, and uh, filed a shareholder resolution and went to their shareholder meeting. And um, they stopped donating money to Planned Parenthood as a result yeah. of our efforts, you know, and uh, similarly with Exxon, you know, another oil company, mm-hmm. they were donating money to um, 
not Planned Parenthood, but another abortion related philanthropy. And we were able to educate them on where their money was going um, and what it was doing. It's basically population control initiatives in third world countries through at-home abortion kits. They also stopped donating money to that organization. Uh, more recently, we've worked with uh, Costco. You know, one of the issues we look for is uh, like LGBT activism. Uh, mm -hmm. We do encourage companies to obviously provide a diverse, tolerant, safe workplace for all their employees and be a blessing to their employees. Sure. But we don't want a company to take sides in a social issue like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Costco had been in our portfolio as uh, a great company. And then we noticed they had started sponsoring certain like gay pride parades and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we reached out and said, hey, this is concerning to us for these reasons. And um, within uh, two hours, I got a call back from the CFO of Costco. Wow. He was wow. actually in the airport getting on a plane called me on a cell phone, kicked off, you know, several weeks of um, conversations together uh, with him and the management where they're really interested in just hearing our perspective. <clears throat> and over and over again, we get thanked by these companies saying, you know, thank you so much for calling because we quote, never, never have heard from <laughs> conservative investors, Christian investors, faith-based investors ever. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why that is, but we just have been silent. And uh, so we just share in a winsome, you know, uh, respectful way, our opinions and our concerns. Yeah. And so Costco's issued a, uh, a memorandum saying, we, you know, no more sponsoring um, controversial issues, including LGBT, you know, pride parades and things of that nature. Um, so it's the, the kind of impact we have. And we're not a huge company. We're not like, you know, BlackRock or Vanguard or something. Right. Um, but companies genuinely want to hear from their investors. And uh, we have an opportunity as, as believers to share you know, truth, um, and, uh, really see God work, um, mm -hmm. in a real salt and light kind of way. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, I think we see it engagement works, activism works. And for some of the causes that you know, maybe a believer does not align with the people who do align with some of those things that are against biblical values are very loud and, and credit to them for engaging in activism on that. And it's, you know, people are listening and changing, uh, their cultures, especially in the corporate world. But we as believers, I, I think I heard you say it once, you know, are more prone to stand on the, uh, the side of the road with the picket sign than actually intelligently, you know, engage in a way that's going to have results and in a way right. that's a credit to, to believers. Right. And there can be a time and a place for like an actual boycott and things and certain things, you know, that's just, a, you know, up to the individual <clears throat> if they want to go to Starbucks or Target or not and to shop. But yeah. there's, you know, these, these companies, they get boycotted and picketed and, you know, all the time. And yeah. it, it kind of gets white noise. But when you call their investor relations department, like their job is to talk to you. And it gets <laughs> directly into the boardroom, right? Yeah. And so we've, yeah. we've found great success even at these, you know, early stages. Um, mm. as, but as BRI grows, I mean, there's, there's over $22 trillion in the United States <clears throat> in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. They're just in retirement accounts that we can count because the IRS keeps track mm -hmm. that's owned by uh, Christians, including uh, evangelicals, Protestants, Catholics. Mm. That's huge. That's like two thirds of the investment assets uh, in the United States. And wow. if we just got together a little bit and got on the same page, like that would, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Uh, so we yeah. share that collective voice and, and um, praise God, it's starting to happen. Man, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that stat. I think that's eye-opening to, to me and to a lot of people who will be listening. Uh, let's touch on returns because people, you know, it, it's a, a worthy question, but 
you guys have found that it, historically your funds have kind of tracked the indexes that that you've built your investments to to model after and at times um, outperforms. Is that right? Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, an index fund by definition is not, you know, attempting to make a lot of money right. above and below. It's supposed to track the index, right? That's the yes. whole point. Um, one, Bible is a, another really good example. It's our largest fund. Uh, it's almost $200 million. And, you know, it's U.S. large cap. It's a big space, important part of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not own Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Microsoft, Google, I mean, any of the FANG stocks, any of the big mm-hmm. mega cap tech stocks, because right. they're involved in all sorts of nefarious affairs, right? And mm-hmm. for the past several years, those stocks are all you hear about when you look at the news about stock yeah. returns. Like, oh my gosh, the FANG stocks, they're like going through the moon. Uh, and here we are, we don't own any, any of them. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of skepticism out there. Like, well, how can you possibly provide good investment returns if you're not investing in these companies? Because everybody knows, like, these are the only yeah. companies doing well on the face of the planet. And uh, well, here we are, three years, three years plus into a track record for Bible, owning the 100 most in- biblically aligned companies in the S&P, which do not include any of those big tech stocks that we just named. Uh, and we are keeping pace with the S&P 500. We're outperforming a little bit one day, you know, under like by basis points, little, you know, fractions of a percent sure. tracking the S&P um, just like we would hope to do. Yeah. Except we're not exposed to any of those big high flying tech stocks. In fact, it's, we found um, that to be even more beneficial for certain ways. You, you talk mm-hmm. about investment research and to get a little nerdy, there's like Fama French factor investment tilts, you know, small cap value and, size factors and all those yeah. sorts of things that you look at and there's all this research being done. Mm-hmm. Well, a, a side effect of our screening methodology is it, it creates an organic uh, small cap value uh, tilt inside a portfolio mm-hmm. uh, because it just happens to be most of those big cap growth stocks don't pass. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, we've, we're seeing that um, really as a, a unique quality identifier enhances the quality of the portfolio um, as a, again, a pleasant side effect of our investment screening uh, mm-hmm. that we're seeing, you know, when, when uh, the FANG stocks catch a cold, which they have been lately yeah. uh, and their growth has really, in my opinion, peaked, our investors aren't worried about that, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're kind of insulated from that uh, over concentration to those really big growthy stocks that are probably in a bubble of some sort. Sure. Um, so anyway, that's interesting. That's my, uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to follow that kind of nerdy thread a little bit. Is there a higher beta volatility uh, in order to track that? Or have you guys found that on a risk adjusted basis, you've tracked that same kind of beta of one, so to speak, to sure. track? Yeah, it's, it's pretty consistent. Um, you know, having a smaller cap uh, tilt on a portfolio will in, increase the volatility slightly if you're comparing sure. it to something that has a larger cap basis in general. Yeah. Uh, so relative to the S&P 500, you know, Bible will have, uh, you know, slightly higher standard deviations and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, again, it's, it's to be expected with a smaller cap uh, tilting in the portfolio. Yeah. And uh, overall, that tends to be, I mean, volatility can be up too, right? Not, up, not just down. Um, so we've, you know, again, proofs in the pudding, performance is working out net of fees, and we're pleased to have that smaller cap uh, value bent, you know, in the portfolios. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that's cool to hear. And you, you know, you hear DFA funds, all these uh, right. other w- very well-respected research around uh, that kind of small cap value tilt. Right. So, uh, you know, just a few more questions here for you, Robert. And, uh, you know, w- let's touch on this a little bit. This is kind of more a curiosity for me, but this tilt towards active investing in the biblically responsible space. Do you, you guys went in opposite tact, which I, I'm very appreciative appreciative, excuse me, of that. Um, do you see that continuing and more index-based offerings? And I'm glad to see you guys are expanding. You had your momentum stuff have come out recently, which mm-hmm. is cool to see. Uh, right. Do you see that passive investing in BRI continuing? Uh, certainly with Inspire. Um, yeah. you know, we have plans to continue launching more passive index-based products. Um, particularly, we want to see more products in the fixed income space. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a whole lot out there and, uh, we want to s- s- get more specific and precise on the slicing, slicing and dicing the fixed income allocations. Sure. Um, so certainly with our company, we, we fully expect to do that. God willing. Uh, I think we'll also see over time, more providers come in, um, to the space. We're almost, I feel like we're kind of proving the concept for a lot of people, right. um, as a company. And there was a, there was a firm you know, some years before we started that had a very brief stint, like tried to do passive, you know, faith-based ETFs and had a miserable failure. Mm. There's a lot of reasons why, and we don't need to go into it, but, <laughs> you know, uh, so here we are like kind of the first successful faith-based ETF company, biblically responsible ETF company. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it has triggered some other providers to launch, you know, somewhat similar products uh, yeah. here and there, nothing, um, at a large scale, but I do think, I mean, it's hard to imagine as the BRI movement grows, which is it, it's on fire. I mean, it's absolutely mm-hmm. booming right now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine people staying on the sidelines, other companies staying on the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, but if they do, I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, we'll just be the, the one to launch the products in that case. But you know, <laughs> uh, we have no problem taking that uh, market share first. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely <laughs> think the market will expand and that will be a good thing for investors. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, fantastic. Two more questions for you, Robert, if that's all right. And uh, one is hard hitting, one is one is a, a softball heel here. So Bring I'll on. hit you with the hard one first. Uh, how do you approach this conversation in BRI? It's, a, it's kind of a hot button topic a little bit um, that biblically responsible investing is something that a Christian must do versus something that is maybe more a matter of conscience or a Christian feels compelled to do. Um, how do you fall on that? And, uh, you know, I, I sent you a, a note about this question beforehand. I said, Hey, no, no, uh, loaded question here. I, I'm curious and, and want to learn about yeah. your perspective on this. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's a topic of, uh, debate that goes back farther than our involvement in BRI. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a bit of both, to be honest. In my reading of the scripture, what it, I'll start by saying what it is not. So mm-hmm. the purpose of BRI is not to insulate yourself from a, quote, evil companies and mm-hmm. to somehow keep yourself morally pure and clean, like with, to like avoid being infected by this, you know, evil or uncleanness from the prophets or association with these companies, right? Right. Um, a lot of people I talk to kind of have that assumption that it's it's sort of a pharisaical, look, all those evil people doing bad things out there, I'm just not going to associate with them because I yeah. don't want to get dirty. Uh, that's not what it is. 
I, I do think some folks have taken that approach historically, which would, did not set BRI on a good footing. It's more of a legalistic type approach. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not why I do biblically responsible investing. I don't think that's why the why we as Christians should do biblically responsible investing. Jesus called us to integrate, you know, uh, to associate, I should say, with uh, the culture around us, right? Be salt and light. We can't make an impact for Christ if we just stand in a corner and lock the door yeah. all our life. And so we need to be associated. Where the, uh, on the other side, I do believe that to participate in immoral activities is, uh, is sinful, right? And if I start a, a corner store, video store, and I'm selling pornography in the back corner, like I'm responsible for that. It's my business. Mm-hmm. And if I bring a partner into the business, I'm still responsible. And even if I'm a silent partner, I'm still responsible. And so there is an, an element where uh, it's not the association with a company that's a problem. It's my position as an owner of a company uh, and my responsibility, if I'm willingly profiting from things that are sinful. I mean, there's pornography sales, abortion drugs. I mean, some very clear examples. I know that the companies I'm investing in are doing these businesses and I'm okay with profiting from those activities. Uh, I believe there's many scriptures, scriptures that point us in a different direction. Um, right. You know, Proverbs says, better is a little with righteousness than great gains with injustice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very broadly speaking, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. I don't know if I can stand there and, and, and tell Jesus one day that, hey, look at all this money I made from you for your glory by investing in pornography. You know, I, I can't get there. Um, so it's not a it's not a legalistic separate separatist uh, mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, there's many issues that can be more conscious, conscience driven that are not necessarily black or white, like alcohol or gambling or tobacco. Sure. I mean, those are not inherently sinful issues. Mm-hmm. and more up to the individual's conscience. But then we do have categories like pornography. Mm-hmm. If it's 1% of my portfolio, um, is that a problem or not? It's just a little bit, you know? Well, if I told my wife, hey, I'm only spending 1% of my time online on pornography sites, she's going to tell me that's 1% too much, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of, you know, a very, you know, introductory uh, conversation. It's very nuanced, I will say. Yeah. And we've written a lot of content that you can look at on our website, inspireinvesting.com, if you want to kind of see more of our thoughts and the biblical mm-hmm. analysis there. But I would say that uh, I believe that biblically speaking, Christians should be taking steps. Like we are mandated by the Bible to take steps uh, to invest for the glory of God. And that that should involve uh, considering where the returns are coming from in the companies yeah. that we own. And then from there, like how you actually slice and dice that is can can still be a lot of gray area and a lot of conscience type, you know, issues, but we got to do something. I'll yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. I appreciate you jumping into that question and I hope that sparks some, some thoughts and wheels turnings and, and to the audience listening. And uh, so they can research that and, and check out those articles you mentioned and um, start to think about that for, for themselves and, and their own right. lives. Last question for you, softball here. And I, I stole this from, your interview with the faith driven guys, but I I think it's a great question to kind of wrap up on. And what have you been learning through scripture and, and prayer life just in general in this season that is on your mind and heart these days? Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, consistently we have this theme of uh, just trusting God with our, with our company, with our life, with our families, you know, and I don't know if it's everybody's life, but man, just, 
the past, especially the past 10 years since I left Wells Fargo, like it's been a constant, very intentional faith journey. And sometimes people can see, you know, the success that God's blessed us with as a company and kind of think, well, of course, it's easy to trust God. But man, you know, that behind the scenes, it's been like, we don't know how it's going to work out, you know, right. all these past 10 years. And uh, so there's, you know, one of the kind of bedrock verses ever since I was a young, much younger man, um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we really try to do that as a company. I try to do that as, as a man of God, as a husband, as a father. Uh, believe me, I've got my own understanding about things, uh, learning not to trust in that, but to trust in the Lord's understanding. Yeah. When I don't have all the information he does and when it doesn't make sense to me and when I'm making decisions concerning, you know, billions of dollars in asset center management and like dozens of families that are employed by a company and of course my own children and my own wife, mm-hmm. uh, it takes faith and yeah. faith is a gift from God. <laughs> so you even, you got to go to him, humble yourself <laughs> for the Lord yeah. and he will lift you up. Yeah. So that's, that's just a continuous theme on my life, but you know, God has, believe it or not, always been faithful. Uh, he has never let me get hit by that bus uh, walking across the street. And um, I'm so thankful he's He's good. And when I make a misstep, he corrects me. And um, it's all it's all him. So you can't you can't go wrong if you follow God in faith because he'll either course correct or he'll bless your path. One of the two. But um, he's never going to whack you upside the head for following in faith. Yeah. Wise words to end the podcast with. And uh, thank you, Robert, for taking the time. It's, it's really been a blessing and uh, special to have you on. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. The content provided is for general information, educational purposes only, and should not be considered a recommendation of any particular strategy, investment product, or investing advice of any kind. Content is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal or tax advice and or legal opinion. Please consult a financial professional for your specific situation. Investing involves risk, including the loss of the entire principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views and opinions expressed here are of the author and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Spire Wealth Management, LLC, and its affiliates. Investment advisory services offered through Spire Wealth Management LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Securities offered through an affiliate Spire Securities LLC, a registered broker, dealer, and member of FINRA and SIPC.